Hey there, this is Sean Mallory. Welcome to my podcast, Where Did I Get Like This? A show where I talk to people about the places they lived and how that affected their adult life. Today is our second episode. We hear from Nick Beeson. He's a Denver-based software engineer and has moved five times in his life so far. Hope you enjoy. Well, well, thanks for being here. I really appreciate you offering to share some perspective on this project that I'm starting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, since I do not know you very well, we're kind of strangers. If I can get you to introduce yourself and tell us about where you're at in your life professionally, if you want to tell us how old you are, where, we, where you're at in the world, that would be great. Uh, I can do that. So uh, my name's Nick. Grew up in the uh, southern Denver area, and that's where I currently find myself now. I'm 25, uh, software engineer by trade. Graduated from college three years ago, and that's uh, that's about it. I have two dogs and a wife, and love them all. Nice. When did you get married? 2017. Oh, well, congrats. Thank How's you. How's that going for you? It's been great. We're yeah. uh, obviously a young couple, and you know, getting married mm-hmm. before college was over. Yeah. And we were just getting into the the hardest part of uh, our schooling, sure. but we we made time, and it's been working out so far. Very cool. You guys are still speaking after this year? <laughs> Actually, I honestly think it's been great for us. Yeah. I've been working from home and so is she mm-hmm. and it really, you know, that's something that a lot of couples had issues with, yeah. but I think uh, just who we are, it worked out well. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So you are just sort of starting out your professional career. How is it going for you so far? <laughs> it's going really well. Uh, I, uh, I feel like a lot of it was, uh, a lot of my career so far has been based on luck, but I'm definitely taking every opportunity I can get and um, kind of enjoying the ride for right now. That's good to hear. But, uh, well, so I told you I was an Air Force brat, and I've always been curious about how people have lived their lives, right? And one of the things that was, you know, fascinating to me as a kid was people that stayed in one place all their lives. You know, there was always this, like, what does that life look like? You know, I thought about it a lot and how it has shaped me and affected me. And when I reached out to people, you know, I thought this could be an interesting topic to see where a sort of a transient life might have affected people either staying in one place or moving. And you you did want to share movement during your childhood. You want to walk us through that? Yeah, for sure. I grew up in this mm-hmm. one house for most of my childhood, south uh, southeast of Denver. Mm-hmm. Lived on a nice little house in a nice little suburb over there. Mm-hmm. Had friends, pretty normal stuff. And then uh, we moved my second year of middle school to Washington, D.C. for a job change for my dad. We lived in D.C. for two years, and that experience was very, I think, unique. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, alongside that, there was just a lot of uh, opportunities that I had, but there was also a lot of stuff that I left behind. Mm-hmm. But after that two years, we moved back probably five miles from the last residence mm-hmm. and uh, started high school in my hometown. Uh-huh. My second year, we moved again to Boston, Massachusetts, uh, similar situation. And I spent my sophomore year homeschooled in Boston. And that also came with its own changes and challenges. And then moved right back to the same spot. Went to college uh, two years later, about 30 miles from there. So there is some movement in my past, but it always is, it's always grounded in one location. What kind of work did your dad do? Uh, He was in government. So a lot of stuff involving campaigning. Okay. So were the movements based on political cycles then? Yeah. Yeah, basically exactly that. Did he work for anybody we know or that you can say? (laughs) Yeah, he definitely worked for some uh, people, for for some names you'd know. (laughs) Okay, right on. Wow, that's interesting. As a military brat, we never went back to the same place. I hadn't ever even heard of that before. 
but you're the second person who's actually given me a scenario like that. And I just find that kind of fascinating because for me, it was always like, I could just kind of be like, see ya, I'm on to the next place. But it sounds like some pretty pivotal times in your life. How was that transition from the West to the East Coast for the first time for you? It was different. I think, uh, I think DC was a lot easier, mostly because that was a very solitary time. So we didn't really, I didn't get to meet that many people closely i guess while i lived there yeah uh boston was a lot more difficult mm -hmm. there there's a certain mannerism mm -hmm. that's and again i don't mean to offend anyone on, on the east coast but it's a lot more from my perspective friendly sure. <laughs> there's a lot more ab abruptness to conversations and uh -huh. and it wasn't a bad thing but it was definitely something that i initially struggled to understand we also lived in the uh the italian district and so getting to kind of know that culture, which again is, is much more upfront with uh, emotions and conversations. It was, okay. it was definitely different than, uh, you know, the easygoing mountain lifestyle. But that first DC trek, were you guys going to uh, schools and things with other government kids and, or military kids? Or what, what did your peers look like there? Well, that was the other interesting thing about kind of how I grew up was I, uh, I've, I've gone through every kind of schooling, public, private, charter, and in the cases of DC and Boston, homeschooled. Interesting. Yeah, it, it was. What was the rationale behind that? It was something my mom was always very passionate about. Mm -hmm. She loved learning and she really enjoyed sure. spending that time with us. And then also, you know, the opportunity to live in the seat of American government at that age. Sure. I don't know if you did this, but a lot of middle schools do their DC field trip oh, yeah. around seventh grade. So living in that area at seventh grade, I mean, it was... Sure. Uh, the Smithsonian's basically were part of my course material. Okay, sure. Uh, so there were a lot of opportunities that I think we decided to take advantage of. Mm -hmm. it, and it was, it was interesting. It was a very interesting experience. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. My middle school field trip, it was to uh, see the Holocaust Museum when it first opened up. And I lived in Omaha, Nebraska at the time. Mm. And... We flew out there. Southwest had like a $10 ticket deal. So it feels like half the country flew out there as a kid. But I don't know. It's, you know, it's like you hear people that grew up near Disneyland and they're sick of it. I mean, and you grew up in this museum capital of the country. Was it just kind of old hat to you by the time you left there? At least first? Time? Not, not really. I, yeah, I actually kind of miss having access to mm. the mall. Uh, it was just yeah, such a great place. There's, mm -hmm. I know it's a little bit romanticized but I, I, there is kind of a feeling of huh. i don't even know what to describe it as yeah. it was kind of overwhelming to be in all of that and all of the museums and stuff mm -hmm. it was just a very fun place to be at that time politics aside i mean were you guys sort of in the middle of a lot of big events and yes for sure okay i mean what was that like as uh, it was it was incredible i mean the level of access i had to stuff was in that sphere was incredible mm -hmm. we got tours of the the capitol building before the visitor center had opened up and toured the White House and several other very exciting things that you could only really do as a local. Mm -hmm. For instance, the Washington Monument gets booked like crazy oh, wow. <laughs> to, to go to the top of that. And so just being able to know that we could book a Tuesday morning two weeks in advance was, uh, was really cool. So there was a lot of stuff. Yeah. We took advantage of every opportunity we could. Uh -huh. And as a kid, that was just crazy cool. Did you have exposure to like diplomats and their kids and things like that? No, I think it would have been really good for me to actually interact with people my age. Yeah. I think one of the drawbacks from DC was I really didn't. I was very isolated mm -hmm. for those two years. I had my siblings and, and my parents and stuff, but mm -hmm. we really didn't live in an area that had a lot of kids my age. Uh, a lot of the uh, local mm -hmm. kids were very, very young and that was kind of it. 
mm. the next age group up was the uh, the college interns. Uh, oh wow, no kidding. How many siblings do you have? I have two, a brother and a sister, both younger. Right on. Did you guys find uh, your relationship sort of important during those moves? Yeah, I think we had to. Yeah. Like I said, you know, we really only had those in the room with us. So I think that mm-hmm. we developed to be a lot closer Yeah, as siblings get uh-huh. when you're in a shared space for that long. No, I can relate. Mm-hmm. I mean, we rarely lived on bases. We always lived in these weird suburbs, but they all tended to be like new developments. So rarely ever were there people our own age around us. So yeah. It was always, you know, just the two of us sort of thing. And that can be hard, especially for development. Yeah. When you go back into a system where there are a bunch of people your age, mm-hmm. I found that transition going back was really, really hard. Sure. Especially going into high school. So when you came back to Denver, you were going into high school or you were still in middle school? Well, I was going to start my first year of high school as soon as I got back. So I had very little social interaction for the last two years with people my own age and mm-hmm. then got thrown to the wolves, so to speak, when... Uh, high school started that's wow so you grew up with all these people you left and you came back Mm -hmm. i mean were you sort of starting over again with those people or was there any kind of rapport left with people that you had grown up with that was another difficult thing uh i had i had lost a lot of connections that i had grown up with and that was weird too Mm -hmm. when you move away at a young age that friendship kind of it's sad and and it eventually kind of either it makes it or dissolves, but it got mm-hmm. weird coming back mm-hmm. and seeing friendships or friends that I had had with, and friendships with them and just not really being compatible anymore. Yeah. Wouldn't really uh, see each other very often, but we were still proximity wise really close. Wow. <laughs> uh, I had a couple of friends who I still hung around with. Uh-huh. My good friend who I'd met when I was three, mm-hmm. he and I are still kind of close, even though we really have nothing in common. Mm-hmm. So there are some friendships that made it, but yeah, a lot of them. A lot of people I knew growing up just fell out of touch. Huh. Did you feel like you had the tools to kind of start that process over? Or was it that much harder for you at that point? Initially, no. I think the isolation, while mm-hmm. I look back on it as still as a positive experience, uh, mm-hmm. I think at the time it definitely set me back socially. Mm-hmm. High sc- or homeschooling is hard because mm-hmm. it, there's just not a whole lot of that socialization. Sure. And I think that that ended up being kind of weird for me, yeah. um, hopping out of that system and going straight into a classroom and sure. being around that many people my age. Oh. It was definitely weird for, for a long time. Mm. Were you guys given the choice of what to do, or did your parents just kind of decide what they wanted you to do? I actually don't know. Okay. I don't know if they gave me a decision, mm-hmm. but framed it as a choice. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I remember I wanted to go to a high school. Okay. So, I mean, their thinking was that was a pivotal time for you to be back in that environment or in that environment? Yeah. I mean, I I think that they trusted that I could Mm -hmm. figure it out. You know, it it was hard at first, but Mm -hmm. I definitely haven't had an experience unlike a lot of other people. And it's definitely not the worst high school experience. I met my wife in high school, so it couldn't have been all bad. Very cool. You have a lot of family still here then or... Is your family in the area? Uh, I did. And that change has happened over the course of the last five years. Mm. Uh, A lot of my family here has either moved away Mm. or is still in the area, but more out of reach Mm. uh, or has passed away. So I I did have a pretty good network here, but a lot of them have moved away. Were they still around when you guys came back the first time? Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, in fact, my grandparents moved in with us after we came back from uh, Washington. So I had that connection as well. And that was really great. Okay. Was there any kind of a gap in terms of your relationship with your family or your grandparents? Or was that kind of a nice thing to return to? It was really nice. Yeah. I uh, I really enjoyed their company. Yeah. I really looked up to them 
growing up and mm-hmm. and still did after uh, and throughout high school and it was really fun to have them kind of around during the high school years yeah. we had a uh, a lot of conversations and my grandfather was uh he was a sarcastic fellow oh. and so going through all of that stuff as a high schooler that seems important and then just have it kind of be mocked by him was uh was fantastic actually it was kind of what i needed to reframe my perception that's really cool i can't relate to that at all i barely knew my grandparents i, I never knew any of my cousins mm. you know we got to see them maybe every two three years as we moved across country or whatever but i mean just one of those things that i always wanted more of and and never had really the chance to do that and but yeah so i mean that's that's really cool um they moved in with you guys so what happened with them when you guys moved again <laughs> so my my aunt and uncle moved into our house with them okay to kind of take over that role of caretaker oh no kidding and so you know it was difficult but we still stayed in touch and yeah they they had someone keeping an eye on them and mm-hmm. they held down the fort so to speak Okay. So let me ask you this. You guys went to DC twice and came back. Was that planned or did that just happen that way? Oh, I'm sorry. I think I misspoke. We we lived in DC for two years. It was one stint, but it was... Got you. I thought you said you went back there to DC. Oh, I'm, yeah. No, uh, sorry. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, it was DC in middle school and then Boston for my sophomore year. I see. Okay. So did they know that that was going to be the case? Was that always supposed to be that way or is that just how it worked out that's just how it worked out okay it's just how that line of work is you know you, yeah. your plans are going to change every two years oh. in that space so oh sure so a campaign again brought you guys to boston mm-hmm. yeah okay and you were homeschooled there again yeah the boston one is is really the one that was a little bit more difficult for me yeah. uh, when it comes to moving okay so yeah i'm, I'm ready to dig into this one but yeah i, I gotta say first off like the the city of Boston was also really cool. Uh, sure. Going back to the the American history aspect, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, our house is right off of what they call the Freedom Trail. It's yeah. a brick inlaid path that goes around the city mm-hmm. and brings you to a lot of different historical markers. So mm-hmm. it was pretty cool being there too, kind of in the same theme. Mm-hmm. The food was incredible. Oh my gosh, that fresh homemade Italian pasta on every street corner, mm-hmm. cannolis, the yeah. homemade bread. Nice. I mean, that aspect of it was just phenomenal yeah yeah it was so much fun to go out and eat Hmm. i gained my freshman 15 in high school (laughs) that's good times Mm -hmm. so boston was just a a very different ball of wax and you said there there was just a temperament there that was quite a bit different yeah i think dc was a little bit more cosmopolitan so everything was a little bit more Mm. i don't want to say they didn't really have a localized Mm -hmm. identity it seemed like a hodgepodge however boston really did yeah i am a broncos fan and i hate the patriots sure and i was also living in boston when the rockies got swept in the world series to the red sox Mm. from that aspect you know there was a lot of uh there was a lot of resentment there just because everyone else was so happy (laughs) yeah sure Sure. yeah it was just a different culture Mm -hmm. there was a lot more going on in the city Mm -hmm. i'm used to colorado where there's a little bit more open space and a little bit more quiet whereas i would wake up at 3 a.m because Uh a drunk guy knocked over a trash can outside in the alley (laughs) yeah so there was just stuff like that that was just kind of small and i just kind of had to get used to Uh and you so again another two-year cycle there is that right uh just one this time okay and then you guys headed back to denver Mm -hmm. so how was that second return for you the second return was a little bit better near the end of my freshman year i had started to form my friend group Mm -hmm. and 
I'm actually still friends with all my friends, uh, not all, <laughs> with my closest friends from high school. We're all still very close, yeah. but I do feel like I, I missed out on a, on a huge part of their friendship mm -hmm. simply because uh, of that sophomore year gap, which sure. that was hard. You know, mm -hmm. getting over that was, was hard. Yeah. You only have four years of high school, and if you miss one, yeah. especially right in the middle, it was, uh, it was a little weird. Uh, yeah, but you guys pretty much had decided that was it i mean was your dad sort of out of the game at that point or yeah yeah i think that was the last one that career path just takes so much out of you i mean I we're talking come close to november people mm -hmm. sleeping at their desk uh sure basically two weeks straight of just misery yeah yeah that's just a weird space i don't hate it but i definitely would never do it yeah i think it takes a special breed with a very strong stomach you know yeah exactly it's the same thing i mean my dad was offered to move to dc a couple times and he just he never wanted that life and just the traffic alone and mm -hmm. yeah so it's kudos to people that can stomach it you know yeah so you finished high school and did you know that you wanted to stick around and go to college here as well i actually didn't i uh, i actually kind of wanted to uh to go out of state yeah it worked out better that I didn't actually, but mm -hmm. had the choice to leave the state and I chose not to. Any reason why? The The time between high school and college was a little weird for me. Mm -hmm. I always look back at that and just kind of wonder if I would have just had a little bit more focus on what I wanted to do mm -hmm. for college. I might have done it differently, but in short, I applied to like three colleges mm -hmm. and uh, only one in state and that was DU and okay. uh, that was the only one that accepted me. Oh, so okay. yeah, I just didn't really do my due diligence, mm -hmm. but it it really did work out well. I don't think I would have handled being out of state as, as well as I thought. Because you had a, a good support system here, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. And all my friends ended up going to in-state colleges as well. Yeah. My wife and I went to the same school. So mm -hmm. all of that really kind of accumulated into being the best decision. Sure. How many times have you moved since you've been back here in terms of housing arrangements and things like that? Really just once. Uh, oh, yeah. We moved from condo to a townhome about a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of been the last uh, major change. Mm -hmm. We've talked about moving a lot and we might. Okay. But right now in our, in our life, it really isn't nearly as uh, impactful as it was when I was growing up. Sure. And it's kind of cool in, in this modern era. I yeah. can't think of anything else that sounds less grandiose. But this this time where, you know, we really can live wherever we want and work wherever we want mm -hmm. so well i guess why not sure so you're you'd be open to it if the opportunities came around i think i would yeah so by my count you moved three times as a kid is that right mm -hmm. yep okay so how do you think that shaped the way you look at the world it sorry let me take a second to process that one yeah yeah, please. That's a that's a big question. I um mm -hmm. I think it did a couple of things. Yeah. One I'll start with is uh is relationships. Mm -hmm. It took away the emphasis of proximity. Mm. And I feel like that almost gave me a bit of a boost currently. Okay. Because I don't see face to face contact with people to be any different than a digital response to them. Oh, interesting. It's all the same to you right yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. So for instance, I was able to maintain my friendships that sophomore year mm -hmm. through solely through digital means okay. through online communication through and I, I don't know if this sounds funny or not but through minecraft oh, yeah. we were able to sure. build relationships through a, a digital space that mm -hmm. that I, otherwise i wouldn't have been able to maintain those friendships mm -hmm. and so i think that was interesting kind of working through that mm -hmm. and yeah i think uh, going back to relationships as well i think there was a lot more solitude and i think growing up that i don't know whether that helped or hurt but it was definitely a big part of my life growing up so you were okay with it yeah i think so 
you know, the millennial digital aspect is pretty interesting to me. You know, I've got 20 years on you and I get to be one of those older people now that's like, when I was in high school, we barely had the internet, you know, <laughs> having those tools. I do wonder what that would have looked like because I mean, mm-hmm. back in my day, you know, we wrote letters and if you're lucky, you got to make long distance phone calls, but they were still really expensive and all that. So I feel Man, that's a bonus, I think, in your generation to have that ability, right? And I don't feel like, oh, yeah, and doubt. I don't feel like I've stayed connected to people very well at all, whether it's college or people I knew across the world as we moved. There has not been that that impetus for me to maintain a lot of that stuff. But I think you having that is is pretty cool. Yeah. So is that was that valuable to you to to maintain those digital relationships? It a hundred percent was. Uh, in DC, I. I didn't really mm-hmm. know too many people. I did have one mm-hmm. friend who was my age that my dad's coworker uh, was coworkers with who mm-hmm. he, he lived farther away, but you know, I still had a person to hang out with, but in mm-hmm. Boston there was just no that was a whole different mm-hmm. demographic and and yeah, so, like maintaining those friendships was mm-hmm. crucial to our relationships now. Um mm-hmm. the the group of friends I I have now are are my, are my closest friends and that year apart, you know, mm-hmm. if I hadn't had that contact, I don't know if we'd mm-hmm. still be as close friends as we are now. Mm. So that made the gap that much smaller when you had, when you jump back into that world. Exactly. Okay. Wow. But so still in the vein of worldview, I mean, sounds like you guys were a little more, you said isolated, yeah. for lack of a better word, diversity of people in your life. I mean, was there a lot of different types of people or were you sort of surrounded by people that looked like you for the most part or... Was there kind of a mix? In D.C., there wasn't a whole lot of difference. I mean, it was that space is just a lot of Mm. mostly just young single people or or couples that never got married. So, I mean, there was people for my my parents to interact with. And and again, it was still pretty um, not necessarily diverse, but Boston was was a lot different. Mm -hmm. That culture and and especially that Italian heritage was not something that I'd been Mm -hmm. exposed to. And we had a lot of people that we had met in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. and they were really good people. Yeah, we would have them over and they'd cook us some wonderful, wonderful Italian food. And yeah, I think that was, even though they were much, much older than us, Mm -hmm. we really did get to know them well and and kind of learn from them. I uh, I had a, I guess I'm going to call him a friend. Mm -hmm. He was uh, an older gentleman who ran a post office Uh and I found out that his post office sold burritos Mm -hmm. and he was just this, you know, crazy loudmouth Bostonian guy Mm -hmm. and I'd come in, you know, bratty looking high school kid. Okay. I'd come in for my lunch break, order a burrito, and we'd talk. And That's awesome. and I found out a couple of years ago he passed away. And, you know, I, I had that connection uh-huh. that I had made with someone there that, you know, it was kind of it was kind of a bummer to hear. Yeah. Almost like a surrogate grandparent during that year for you? Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. But then if you guys were homeschooled, so I mean, exposure to people at large just was less for the way you were raised. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my mom did enroll us in programs that got us in touch with, I can't remember what they're called, but it was basically events for homeschooled kids to sure. kind of come and have yeah. what amounts to after school activities. Oh, sure. Yeah. I just didn't really ever make any connections or it was too infrequent to really kind of get to know anyone. Yeah. I guess another uh, benefit of the digital age, I mean, you could sign up for groups like that, but it was all writing based and bulletin boards and things like that back in my experience. But yeah, so you still, your parents didn't want you totally to be in a bubble. They did make some efforts to make sure you had some other exposure. It just wasn't that frequent. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I think they did a good job. I just think with the tools we had and the time we had, it's so hard to make connections when you know you're going to leave. 
Yes, that is one of the big things that I have struggled with. Mm -hmm. It's been very easy for me not to connect to people and be okay with, be like, well, mm -hmm. I'm leaving, you know, so uh, I definitely had that mentality and that carried through, you know, to my adult life and to my career. Mm -hmm. That's one of the only things that I kind of look back at as like, you know, that was a little rough. Never realized it at the time. And that's hard at the time. You don't, you, you don't see the greater impact of, of even just a couple month long friendship or just uh, acquaintance. Well, know. and so the weird thing is both my sister and I, she's two years younger than me. Mm -hmm. We really have no memory of our childhood. As far as we know, it was a very loving home and, you know, mm -hmm. all the things that we could ever need. I mean, the military provided for us, so we never wanted for anything. You know, we weren't rich, but mm -hmm. taken care of. But our memories just don't exist. You know, our parents mm -hmm. are constantly like, oh, you did this when you were this old. And we're like, really? That's okay. That's news to me. It's so crazy you say that because I... I haven't been able to describe that, but I, I have that exact same perception of my past. It's kind of crazy. I, I wonder if that's related somehow. Yeah. I, I mean, if there are patterns like that, I mean, a woman I talked to the other day, she has vivid, almost photographic memories of everything of her childhood. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a coping mechanism in the same compartment as the relationships. You just put the things from the past or whatever aren't that important. So they just don't carry with you, you know, I would be interested. Maybe, maybe I'll reach out to some kind of specialist that deals with memories and stuff like that. Yeah. That's so interesting. Cause you know, again, I, I didn't really have anything traumatic happen. It just, it feels like a lot of the sections, especially between DC and Boston just feel so foreign to me, mm -hmm. almost, almost unreachable now. Mm -hmm. It was a different experience. I think my personality, someone who's a lot more reserved and quiet. I don't really think it was as bad for me. Mm -hmm. Definitely think if I was a little bit more extroverted, I might have mm -hmm. really hated that period. Sure. I think going away the second time was a lot harder. Yeah. I had actually been trying to to break that shell and try to actually build connections with people. And that one was a little bit weirder. Uh -huh. I definitely don't hate the time I spent in either place. Yeah. How would you say overall that way of being raised, how was that like for you as a kid in general, would you say? I think the biggest way is um, yeah. almost doesn't necessarily have to do with moving, but mm -hmm. the ability to have digital relationships and um, mm -hmm. a lot of the, I guess, self-motivation or self-starting that I had to mm -hmm. manifest for homeschooling definitely comes in handy throughout mm. my professional career, especially now that we're working from home. Mm. I think there were just tools that developed at that time in my life that just kind of translated really well to the pandemic. So oh, interesting. there are definitely things I missed out on, but mm. honestly, it, it feels like it was still integral to mm -hmm. my experience now. Yeah. Uh, and thinking back, you said you had all these different kinds of schooling. Was there yeah. any one that you liked better than the other? Or I, I definitely liked homeschooling, but it sure. really actually doesn't rank that high on my list. Mm -hmm. uh, I really think that public and private schools were my favorite. Okay. I don't know if that's indicative of all public and private schools, but mm. my experiences in, in those specific settings was a lot yeah. better sure. than in, say, charter or... Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say a lot better than homeschooling. Mm -hmm. I definitely enjoyed it more. Sure. You know, there's a lot of comedy about homeschooled kids and stuff, and a lot of them don't always have that positive view of it. That's interesting that it registered to you that way. I actually... I hung out with so many people in those uh, co-ops yeah. that absolutely fit that stereotype that uh -huh. we're dancing around. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. There was a lot of that, yeah. kind of this uh, yeah. intellectuality uh -huh. among younger these younger students, yeah. almost a sense of uh, mm -hmm. 
what I experienced a lot was was kind of an arrogance yeah. that because I'm homeschooled, I'm smarter than my average peer. Mm. That you know, looking back, it's really funny. Oh, interesting. Okay, but yeah, sorry, I think I cut you off there from a point. I just wanted to point out that these stereotypes are uh, there's a reason there. <laughs> Some of them mm-hmm. are there because you know sometimes. Well, you know, these days in the pandemic, you know, a complaint by parents has been you know they're thrown into these roles of educator and all that. You know, suddenly. I don't know what, you know, your parents' education background was, but I mean, sometimes it's a question of, is there a qualified, is there a, a philosophy your parents had uh, with that, with you guys? You know, anything that stands out? I don't, I don't know. It's just a world I don't know much about at all. The, so The interesting thing about that was it, it really was my philosophy. Mm. I had two younger siblings, and so the majority of my mom's time was spent, mm-hmm. which was worked out fine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of what I had to do was teach myself and in my line of work that is a cardinal rule mm-hmm. um, if you don't know how to do something you have to learn how to research it and look it up and figure it out mm-hmm. and at the time I had no interest in computer science but it it ended up being a skill set that is pivotal to, to my role okay how early on did you know that you wanted to go into that world almost not early enough mm-hmm. I had grown up in the sphere of politics okay. me and my dad completely cut out yeah. the last couple yeah. of years but uh, you know, right out of high school, I still thought it sounded kind of fun. I I thought I'd give it a go. Sure. So I almost went for poli sci, and then I still don't really remember why I switched. But I had been in a robotics program at school. And oh yeah. I guess some part of me just said I'll do computer science instead. Mm. It worked out really well because I mm-hmm. currently can't stomach politics. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got really lucky there. I didn't get stuck with a poli sci degree. Wow, interesting how uh, how things turn that way. Oh, for sure. I really did think I wanted to be a pilot for a really long time, like my dad. And when I started not doing great at math and science in high school, it was uh, I was like, "Hey, look, theater's over here," <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, and that's really hard when you when you want to do something and and it's actually something that is almost inaccessible. Mm-hmm. Engi- that was me with engineering. Uh-huh. I would have preferred to graduate with an engineering degree, but I'm with that's you. Fair. Math and science were my strong suit. Yeah. Most of my work that I did involved very heavy physics, very heavy geometry, you know, power calculations, all that, <laughs> you know, because I did theater lighting. So that's I mean, a discussion for another day. But I think that that is kind of frustrating sometimes how yeah, more art- artistic skills yeah. have just as much to do with engineering and sure. precision and creativity that engineering jobs do. But yeah, I, I think that might be an old way of thinking about, you know, left brain, right brain, you know, you focus on one or the other and. Yeah, it's always been my experience that it's a combination. And even if you're, I mean, mm-hmm. hell, even if you're programming at this point, you're still having to be creative. You're still having mm-hmm. to use problem solving and spontaneity. And, you know, mm-hmm. I would hope that more of those things are kind of being simultaneously taught these days. I don't know. I can't speak to it, but I uh, think they need to be. I, I'm yeah. going to be honest. I think mm-hmm. programming is more of an art than a science. Oh, okay. And yet, you know, places like India where they've just got code farms and stuff and the kids don't even go to regular school, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. hardly an art form there probably, but I see what you're saying because you're still in the creative. It can be industrialized, but I, I think there's a lot of, there's just a stark amount of creativity in that, in that space. And I, again, this is a discussion for another time, but I can talk about evangelizing uh, programming yeah. mm-hmm. all day. Well, okay, I'll keep that in mind. My uh, my girlfriend's a UX UI designer, and she deals with developers and stuff all the time. So I get an earful, you know. And uh, it's you know, it sounds like it's always an interesting uh, uh, practice. We're a fun crew. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. We've done some you know uh, meetup drinking gatherings sort of thing with programmers, and yeah, it's it's always a good time. Yeah. Back in the day. <laughs> Way back when. Way back when. <laughs> so kind of going back to you and your young married life, kids, something that you guys are thinking about? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I would definitely like them. 
Yeah, based on the way you were raised, would you raise your kids in a similar way, or is there a thought of what that might look like yet? I think a while ago I would have said there's no way. Mm -hmm. I, I think that having that kind of grounded approach to, to being raised mm -hmm. is something that I idolized. Mm -hmm. I think it is nice. Yeah. But, I mean... You and I turned out fine. <laughs> sure. And then on top of that, like I was saying earlier, just this digital age is just breaking down the idea of geography mm -hmm. uh, more and more and more. And I I really don't see it as, as big as big of an issue now, mm. uh, especially with how quickly these kids are picking up on tech. It just doesn't mm -hmm. really seem like as monumental of a change now. Mm -hmm. They can't ride their bikes together, but right. they're probably, they probably spend more time playing Fortnite now than they do yeah. uh, kicking a soccer ball around at the playground. So mm -hmm. if the opportunity is presented itself yeah. to your family, you wouldn't be opposed to I mean, moving sort of in a compassionate way to them, I guess. You know, if it ends up being important to them or if, the, you know, if they're at an age where they can mm -hmm. understand the concept of what that entails, you know, right. I think that is something that I would discuss with them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just don't see it as, as, as big of a change as it used to be. Do you imagine that there is sort of an ideal way to do that these days? I mean, what are pros and cons to either side of that for you? Uh, pros or cons to what, sorry? Just in terms of the idea of staying planted in one place versus, you know, being what I'm calling a sort of unsettled transplant. But mm. you kind of answered that in the terms of it just looks different these days. It's not as hard as it used to be. Yeah. Is, I guess, is there an ideal way to do I it? I think it really just depends on everyone mm -hmm. whoever's involved but yeah yeah i mean i think it's kind of dangerous to just grow up in a uh, completely undiverse environment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think uh, if you're never experiencing new people and new ways of thinking mm -hmm. you'll basically stagnate early yeah and i know a lot of people who that happened to they mm -hmm. basically they grew up in the same area the same mm -hmm. people around them the, their whole lives and i just i don't really like where that brought sure. them and so I think there is something to going out and, and seeing and experiencing different places, mm -hmm. but it's not always required. Mm. I don't think that everyone who stays put, you know, turns into the same kind of person. <laughs> right. And it's hard not to mention it, but the digital age does kind of change that a little oh, bit. Very true. Well, you know, and I think there's something interesting too, right? I mean, you can move around a lot and have one kind of life. For you sure. could live on a farm all your life and have that life. You could live in an inner city housing project and still never have exposure to the world, you know, in a different way. Uh, kind of two opposites that are more similar than you'd think. But I just wonder about, like, so people you grew up with that have never moved anywhere else, are they interested in traveling? Are they interested in being away from Colorado? You know, are you interested in traveling and coming back? That's an interesting question. Yeah. I think everyone who I know who grew up in the same spot, mm -hmm. they've necessarily decided to continue to stay in the same spot. They have, mm -hmm. but I don't think that they're... I could see them kind of traveling around, but mm -hmm. one thing we do have in common is we just love this area. Mm -hmm. It's hard not to love Denver and the mountains and sure. And it is kind of like, that's kind of the biggest yeah. thing, a job in Austin or getting a job uh, back out East or something is like, man, I really would miss that view. Mm -hmm. It never lost the term home in mm. all of my time living out, you know, Colorado was always home sure. and that's been something I've been working on trying to break. Mm just in case I, I do get a job somewhere else, but sure. have spent my entire life thinking that this place is home. Yeah, we grew up in the Air Force Academy when I was a kid down in the Springs, and my family always felt like that too. And every time I came back to visit when they were here, I always felt comfortable with Denver, you know, and, and it, it definitely had that for me too. I'm just curious. I mean, you've seen it change a lot in your lifetime here. I mean, it, mm -hmm. that love for the city still 
there even with the amount of growth and change and you know traffic that's new to you guys for the most part yeah You're still appreciating I, denver that way i have to admit the the pandemic has really kind of sucked the life out of it but yeah, no doubt. there's still a lot to do and besides that uh, i do still just love it here yeah, sure. like i said i'm still willing to move yeah i mean people have asked me about you know would i be interested in moving to new york and or going back to chicago and Mm-hmm. I can't imagine it myself at this point, you know? I'm going on five years here. It's almost the longest I've ever lived anywhere. Really? Wow. Five years is one of the longer stints. That's... Yeah, exactly. Wow. The idea of calling this really great place home to me is I'm very, very happy with that choice that I made to get out, you know? Mm-hmm. My coming into Denver, I've always felt like mm-hmm. Denver needed a bit of a DNA injection. Mm-hmm. I think the food is way better here now than when I was a kid and so many more cultural opportunities. Mm-hmm. It is a great place to call home these days. It's so funny yeah, how much Denver's changed. Mm-hmm. I go to Broncos games with my dad all the time and uh, mm-hmm. there's a place that used to be a bar. He said that a lot of people went there after the games and it was just like one of the most crime-ridden bars in the city. Oh, sure. And just two years ago, we went to a wedding in that venue. Uh-huh. It had closed and it turned into, you know, a uh, post-industrial yeah. event venue. <laughs> and I just couldn't help but laugh every time I visited it. Right. Yeah. It's good stuff, though. Definitely a good place to be, I think. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you, you got a lot of benefits out of uh, the life that you've lived. I mean, if you had the sort of magic wand and you could change anything about the way you grew up i really wish i would have had more Mm -hmm. i think the uh the term now is networking (laughs) sure but at the time yeah i just i missed out on on so many opportunities to meet people different settings and you know Uh there weren't too many in fact there might not have been anyone my age in that entire Mm -hmm. block where i lived in boston but yeah yeah, I, I think that just the 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 solitude was was good but Mm -hmm. I, i definitely would have loved to break out of it a little bit more than I ended up doing. Mm. Hope that answers it. Sure. I had a, a friend of mine that I used to work with back in Austin. And he kind of came back to me with a real snarky philosophical thing about, you know, mm-hmm. why look back at our past when we we're just, you know, making generalized connecting of the dots to find patterns, whatever, you know. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think some of this is useful I in a career change. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Some of this looking back is, I think, kind of useful. I'm not going to, you know, bet all my eggs on finding some magical solutions or patterns, but I think it's it is interesting to think about how all of that movement in my life affected me and and other people, and I think it's it's pretty fascinating. You well, know? first off, that is such a snarky remark. That is oh, oh, kind of yeah. funny, almost. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and second off, you know, you don't necessarily have to come to some conclusion, but I think just telling stories that's really that's really important. Yeah. And what I'm finding, too, uh, in the podcast realm, I think your average everyday person and their stories is kind of just getting buried by celebrities with podcasts and things like that. And Mm -hmm. that is interesting to me, too, right? It's just to still find people that are interested in in talking about their lives and, you know, in just a very down-to-earth way. Which I'm uh, I'm looking forward to these conversations. Yeah, I'm excited to to listen to some of your other guests. Yeah, I love storytelling, and I yeah. think if yeah. uh, if a medium can tell an interesting story, it, it's art mm-hmm. all by itself. So there's all sorts of ways to do it, and podcasting is a, a great platform to do it directly. Yeah, right on. And I think again, this is a the digital arena is perhaps one of our our most wide open fields right now. Yeah, it's super fun. I am definitely uh, a little behind the times in terms of just being up to date with software and so many can i share it yeah go ahead i want to share just a really interesting experience i just had yes two days ago Mm -hmm. i uh i joined uh an event it's a software thing i I don't really the the specifics aren't important but Mm -hmm. they hosted the meeting in virtual reality sure so you showed up Mm -hmm. you know you either had a headset or you didn't Mm -hmm. 
I do because I'm a huge nerd. Sure. But I mean, they had someone standing up at a podium, uh, gesticulating with their hands, and it, the, the whole experience. Was... So VR, you were this is a VR environment? Yeah. So, okay. s- sorry, I'm going to take no, a step back and describe cool. it better. But no, it was cool. a platform yeah. that I think Firefox runs that mm. lets you host virtual meetings. Okay. And so me and 20 other people mm-hmm. showed up in this virtual space mm-hmm. and had like a meet and greet and and the whole experience was it was my first time kind of mm-hmm. using VR in that way and that was that was weird man it was yeah. it was a little trippy huh do you have to create like an avatar and all that or how's that I think work? the software lets you create your own but they had a couple mm-hmm. that were predefined mm-hmm. so that that part was in line with what I'm used to you know just seeing people as generic people or generic looking robots mm. but the experience of like mm. spatial sound and 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 wow. stuff like that to make it feel a little bit more immersive it just was huh. it was very odd to have an event in that style it's interesting because i mean i've worked across the production world and a lot of it has been corporate events and weddings and things like that and mm-hmm. many of the companies that i work for had to figure out how to do that right and had to lean into virtual conferences and it opened up a new realm, sort of combining video game work and teleconferencing and all of that. And that's only going to get bigger. I don't think it's going to go away now, you know. It can't now. Genie's out of the bottle yeah, now. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's like live music or comedy, you know. Now they could do live shows and streaming shows. And mm-hmm. I've heard of, uh, what is it, that game, Animal Crossing? They've been doing like these virtual concerts where everyone's an animal mm-hmm. in a club like that or in a, bands like the Gorillas that were already doing this sort of avatar thing, you know, have done really well in this environment as it's shifted. And it is really interesting. And I think people younger than you, it's just going to be common those connections are they still going to be as real and as valuable you know i i gotta say yeah. that you know that's one of those things that kind of yeah. i'm still hesitant about you know about digital age is i mm-hmm. i love going to concerts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i can watch a live performance in vr sure yeah but that's not the same there's there's yeah. a there's an energy there's a yeah, that's true right the, you know the the feeling of the bass alone is something you can't recreate in your 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 office mm-hmm Sure. I think there are some things that we won't ever really be able to replace mm-hmm. digitally. Yeah. I think one thing that does make sense is is business travel. Yeah. You sure. know, I, I think getting on a plane to go to one meeting somewhere halfway across the planet or yeah. uh, halfway across the the country is just ridiculous now. But yeah, there's there's really nothing like going to uh, a live performance. I just think of the connection thing. I mean, we know that business people traveling cross country is a huge waste of money and resources. But in my experience, a lot of those were just like big, uh, have sex with a stranger fest. You know, I mean, it was like that sort of human connection that will be lacking in the virtual world, well, maybe to a degree. Who knows? Well, yeah. But, uh, yeah. You know, but, but just like just the social aspect on top of that, you know, I really there do. was something like everyone that I ever worked with, the, the work was one thing, but hanging out in the bar after work was way more important yeah in the travel aspect totally you know yeah mm-hmm. i really do hope that we don't try to replace certain things mm-hmm. it's it's fun to watch the digital space grow but sure where's it gonna go yeah well got off the rails but i think you know again the human connection thing is something that is really interesting to me so yeah it'll definitely be something to sort of just watch you know and and sounds like in your world you you're part of some of that at some point if you're in the developing software world and what does I that have look like actually kind of some experience with that a bunch of the people i work with are based out of the philippines so yeah it's not necessarily about displacement but you know, there there is something to be said about trying to communicate with people on mm-hmm. twelve hour time zone difference. 
Well, right on. This has been a really cool talk. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I guess how does it feel to talk about it like this for you? <laughs> it's better than therapy. Uh, oh, there you go. There you go. Cheaper too, right? Yep. All right. So my last thing. So I did this tabulation, right? So mm-hmm. I moved six times during my childhood. That was, you know, up till high school. Mm-hmm. I've moved nine times since then. And, you know, mm-hmm. college dorms, apartments, complete moves. So I, you know, I totaled it. What does that look like for you? I completely forgot about one move. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh. I moved, obviously, from Colorado to D.C. to Colorado to Boston. However, I just realized I had not talked about studying abroad. And I don't know how that counts, but living Mm -hmm. in a different country is definitely a change. So I'm going to add that one in, too. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. We don't have to do too much elaboration on that, but where did you study? Yeah, socially, it wasn't very different. Uh, We went to Wales in the U.K., Okay. It was a great place. Did you get to travel while you were there? Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we got to travel a lot, but, you know, mm-hmm. I had already kind of forgotten to talk about that one. It, it was a different experience, though. It was just a long vacation. Oh, oh, I see. I think there's definitely value to that, you know. That's that's cool. I enjoyed the teaching, but a lot of it was mostly about the uh, the experience of, of that country. Huh, right. Programs like studying abroad are really fun and, and other opportunities to kind of get out there and try it because I would much rather go and experience new places than to not. And I'm really glad I did get to do that. Well, very cool. No, I definitely think that counts. So if you could tab it up, what does that what does that amount to you? What is that, four? I, I marked three when you were a kid, once as an adult, and I think we could count the, the Welsh trip as well. Yeah, why not, right? Well, cool. Well, no, I really appreciate your time and your willingness to jump in. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man, it was really good talking to you. And uh, yeah, good luck. Sounds like you have some really cool stuff going on. And uh, Yeah, sure thing. I'll, uh, I'll check back with you. All right, sounds good. Yeah, I'll man. talk to you later. Thank you. All right, that is episode two. That was Nick Beeson. I thank him for participating. It's really great to talk to him. If you want to check out more episodes... You can go to my website, thefullmedium.com. Episodes will be there. I am working on the RSS feed to get it out to podcast sites next. When I do, please rate, review, and follow. And then I'll be back next month uh, where I'll be interviewing a theatrical production manager. Thank you for listening. This is a production of The Full Medium.